Company Watch Financial Analytics. Hello and welcome to the Company Watch Coronavirus Podcast. I'm Joe Kettner, CEO of Company Watch, and I'm joined by Nick Hood, Financial and Commercial Risk Analyst. Welcome, Nick. Good afternoon, Joe. Indeed. So today we're actually recording in the afternoon of Friday, the 19th of February. And again, it's one of those smorgasbords of um, podcasts, I think, today. We've got quite a lot of um, ground to cover. We're looking at um, some potential changes to the Insolvency Act. Um, We've got some insolvency figures out. There's some interesting information on retail spending um, and some surveys that have, have we picked up in this last week that we'd like to, to touch on as well. So should we dive straight in, Nick, with retail? Yes, um, the um, ONS uh, retail sales figures for January are out this morning. Um, and I, um, here's now a You've spoil- been rude already about them on Twitter. <laughs> I, I have been very rude on Twitter about them. Nobody in the retail sector takes these things except as a means of, of, of guffawing with laughter and then thro- and then deleting them from the screen or tipping them in the bin. But for what they are worth, and as Joe, you pointed out, at least in their awfulness, there is a consistency. So you can see over time. Anyway, they came out with um, screaming headlines, which unfortunately the entire business media picked up and didn't question, saying that retail sales had had collapsed by 8.2% in January. But that's the comparison with December. And yeah. hey, I can't remember a year ever when January, January sales ever did anything but being yeah. less than December ones. But if you do take it back a year and you look at uh, the comparison with January um, in 2020, then which is pre-pandemic, of course, then the drop is 5.9%. Mm. And, and, and of course, it's serious. I mean, let's... let's not- and the other thing I think that's interesting is looking at what pundits were expecting this yes. figure to be as well. So that kind of comparative is, is useful to look at. And that that is actually quite um quite a lot because I think the consensus was that the contraction would be about 2.6%. Something like that. So the fact that that even though it's a figure that we are not very sure about, that it's 8.2 instead of 2.6 is um is quite quite it's a, it's, um, a, it's a big number and nobody can deny that there is a a problem in uh, in retail and you know re- uh, retail CVAs and insolvencies continue apace. There have been uh, what was it June um, uh, um, got a, has gone into a sorry is going into a CVA. They just keep coming. Uh, yeah, as, as the, I mean, I looked. I did a quick look. You know that that excellent Centre for Retail Research um, website that lists all the um, the failures and I mean the job losses. And already, if you look at twenty twenty, the combined job loss total is 109,000. And that's more than in 2017, 18, 19 combined. So, you know. And and of course, those numbers don't include for their own reasons, um, companies that are are only in CVA. Mm. And it doesn't include the losses created by otherwise healthy store chains closing shops in various places. So, you know, 109,000 is just your starter. There was a broader estimate that they put out at the back end of last year that they thought that 175,000 retail jobs had gone last year. Mm. And we're predicting it would be more this year. Yeah. I mean, already we've had, I think it's probably slightly skewed because the numbers for January 21 are out and that's 18,500. But of course, you know, we've had the big Arcadia Debenhams 
figures yeah. in there. So, you know, I don't expect that will be a trend. That won't be the kind of monthly figure that we'd expect necessarily, but still it kind of shows you the um, the direction of, of travel. And then on that, that, um, that kind of leads in quite nicely for, to the news that's being rumoured this morning about business rates. And we're being told that Rishi Sunak is going to delay a kind of proper announcement on what's going to happen with the future of, of business rates until November or autumn kind of budget. That's that's right. Um, which I think uh, this is one of the shorter kicks of the can down the road. There have been longer ones than than than, than this. Um, but I mean, there there is there is no doubting that something has to happen with business rates. It's the biggest business killer in the retail sector as well as in hospitality. That's another thing altogether. Mm. Um, and there's. You know, there was a cliff edge coming at the end of March. If he if if he doesn't extend, there will be Armageddon yeah. in March because you know to to go from not just no business rates but paying more business rates because they will have gone up since they last paid them in 2019. Yeah. So uh, you know it will force lots of businesses over the um, over the cliff edge. So something has to happen. Uh, I think we're expecting, aren't we? Because Scotland have already announced um, the continuation of the holiday for certain sectors, which I think is retail, hospitality and yeah. leisure. So we're expecting that the holiday will continue for companies in those um, Yes. I mean, the, the only thing that is, I think, uncertain, to be honest, is the length of the continued holiday and the scope of it, you know, mm. just which sectors it will it, it will cover. Um and, and it is quite interesting, huge debate going on um, about what the government is going to do to business rates. And the the sort of um, uh, idiot suggestion, and it is an idiot suggestion, is, oh, let's just levy an online sales mm. tax, you know, which is which is basically an attempt to uh, to beat up Amazon and ASOS and Boohoo and people, people like that. As my friend Bill Grimsey um put it very uh, succinctly in a tweet uh, about 10 days ago, an online sales tax won't rescue a single shop. All it will do is put up the prices at Amazon, Boohoo and ASOS. Amazon rather more um, mm-hmm. because they're not caught by fashion pr- price points like um, Boohoo and Amazon uh, and, uh, and ASOS. ASOS. Are. Mm. Are. So a very, you know, one of the wisest of wise Voices in the in in retail is um, Simon Wolfson, Lord Wolfson, at Next, and he came out yesterday saying that he thought the answer was to tax sales, but in a clever way. Okay. And what he came up with was, what you do is you alter the basis of corporation tax so that companies either pay the current corporation tax rate of nineteen percent on their profits. Mm-hmm or 2% on their sales, whichever is the higher. Oh, interesting. Which, which interesting. means that you can faff around with, with shifting your, your profits all yeah. you like. And unless you move your sales somewhere else, the answer is going to get caught. caught. And mm. I, I think there is a general sigh of relief that somebody quite as prestigious as him came out and suggested that. Let's hope that Rishi Sunak is listening, because that is the answer. Yeah, that's interesting because the um, I was again the FT was was picking up some of these um, 
reports about the delay and, and why the delay might be um, might be happening. Now, again, they're, they're kind of saying that they want to sort out the online sales tax <coughs> issue as well as the business rates issue. Um, but just as you say, the two percent online sales tax. I think the calculations it, it raises two billion compared to the twenty five billion that's um, raised by business rates. So it's, it needs something a, a bigger overhaul, doesn't it, than um, than just yes, online an online tax? Yes, it does. And, and of course, the other retail topic is landlords <sighs> and rent. Yeah. Now, um, it, it it seems an absolute racing certainty that they are going to have to extend the rent enforcement ban and again there's lots of rumors flying and every every time Rishi Sunak gets asked this question he says wait until the budget which is now not that far away no it's only two weeks isn't it away um but you know Joe has a very good point and it was it was raised I think in the times wasn't it yeah so the room I think the, the the this rumor about the um the attempt to delay enforcement again was picked up in in the Times. It's a kind of interesting article and there. The estimate now, I think we had an estimate last week, and now it's at 4.5 billion on outstanding rent arrears. A huge amount of um, of debt out there, um, and it, it was just in the comments section that I picked up, and it's something I hadn't really thought about. And we've talked in the past about landlords having these properties on their balance sheet and yep. they have to revalue these properties if the, because it, the, the value is based on the rent that they can um, yep. obtain. But of course, there is also the fact that landlords have got mortgages on these properties and banks are holding security on these properties. So once you start revaluing, that has a kind of knock-on <coughs> effect through kind of various balance sheets um, and has some implications, doesn't it, on capital requirements for banks and um, all the rest of it. So there's a potential for ripple Yes, it yes it does, and of course, what you've got to remember is, you know, we've got this number of four point five billion of unpaid rent. By the time that impact, in terms of the value of the property, ripples through not just the landlord's balance sheet, but then onto the bank's balance sheet on the, you know, the landlord's liability, the uh, the bank's um, uh, loan book. Mm. Of course, it's a multiplier because they are lending on a multiple of 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 rent. Um, and so, to the same extent that the property is less is worth less, the bank's going to have to mark down the or take higher provisions mm. for their loans, where you know where they feel there is no other ability to re, to to, re, to recover. So you know, that phrase I used to you just now, Joe, was you know, no landlord is an island. You know, the ripples go in in all mm. sorts of directions. Yeah, we've talked about pension funds and all, all the other, you know, this this notion of the greedy landlord is really actually quite misplaced, I think. I think that I it, it, it I... really affects lots of different um different areas. So it will be we'll have to we'll keep an eye on what um what happens there. The um the other thing that that you picked up again, kind of leading into um this is insolvency figures. We've had some um some new figures out this morning, is that right? Yes, the um these are the uh, the corporate insolvency figures for January, and they are 39% down on December and 50% down on January 2020. And the but numbers this is are interesting, tiny. isn't it? Because we were we were talking about in December that we there was an uptick in the the CVA um, insolvencies, and we uh, wondered CV, whether that no, was, CVLs. CVLs. My apologies. CVLs. Liquidations. Um, the liquidations that you know a company voluntarily puts them. Um, themselves into now we thought that might be the start of a the upward trend that we're expecting in insolvencies 
and the fact that it's come down. Now you had some interesting um, yes, um, R three, which is the uh, the trade uh, body for insolvency practitioners in the UK. They've come out with some comments, and and they are hinting that they think that there was a a bump um, in the December figures for CVLs for companies that decided to call it a day rather than blunder on and in particular trigger another quarter's fat liability uh, sorry rent liability so yeah. it was the it was the december rent payment on the 25th that uh, was was the trigger that's what they're saying um but equally what they're warning and of course i would amplify this um is this is just you know this problem with with uh, zombie companies insolvent businesses is just being pushed further down, uh, along the timeline yeah. it's all that's happening yeah. is if, if they're down 39% in january that's a 39% bounce somewhere later in this year and possibly march as we approach the, the next possibly, possibly possibly march i mean I, I, I mean what's going on here is that so long as there are uh, there are all these government support schemes and creditors have their hands behind the back, you know, tied behind the back. So they can't issue um, uh, winding up uh, petitions and landlords can't enforce. Then, you know, and HMRC don't want to collect the VAT and the PAYE that you owe. Well, they're being very generous, I think, on their time to pay um, arrangements, aren't they? I yes. think it's much easier than it would perhaps normally be to, to negotiate a time to pay. Yeah, and 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 yeah, again, I think it's absolutely inevitable that the furlough scheme will extend. Again, maybe on a focus industry by industry basis mm. but it will extend further into into 2021 than it's currently planned to so you know it's actually quite difficult for directors of companies to see a good reason to stop yeah. i think yeah. anyway so so we think um i mean th- those interest those numbers are uh, are interesting we don't quite know what where what it'll lead to in uh, now I'm going to go a little bit. We we were going to pop on something else now, but I think actually what you've just said about directors and um, you know seeing a reason to carry on actually leads quite nicely into one of the surveys um, that you picked up earlier in the week, and that might be worth um, worth just talking about. Was was it Sage, um, the accounting yes. firm that or the accounting software? Um, that, yeah, that they, this? they they petitioned. Uh, they petitioned. They commissioned. Um, a, a business in the northeast, and Sage is based in the in the northeast, um, to uh, do a survey of um, they did eleven hundred and nineteen decision makers and owners of businesses employing fewer than two hundred and fifty people. So we're talking about the S the the S end of SME, um, and what they found was that the half of the companies. Uh, that they spoke to, or the decision makers, had taken out some form of COVID support loan. Which is so, about, that is kind of a cause to what we're seeing in the um, in the HMRC figures. For, figures for, for, yeah, for, for bounce back loans and all the rest of it. And um, only 63% of them were confident in their ability to repay those loans. So a third aren't. And the thing that really caught my eye was that um, the survey identified that the average additional debt burden that of the SMEs they talked to uh, during the, the uh, pandemic, the additional burden is £173,000. 
big number. That's a, that is a big number. And we were we were we were listening to the um uh, the chairwoman of, of um <coughs> West this morning, who was saying her figures were around about thirty thousand was the average um loan mm. that had been taken out as part of the covid package so that's that's a big difference um and, and i think uh, trouble is the the wording of the press release is is quite vague and i'm assuming that the these additional debt burden um calculations 173,000 must include unpaid rent unpaid yeah. hmrc debts uh etc the the other thing that the survey covered was employment intentions and 20% of the people they talked to had already made redundancies. And another quarter said that they would be forced to make further staff cuts when the furlough scheme finally ends. Oh, goodness. Yeah. You know, which is not a, not a pretty sight. No, indeed. Say. I mean, and we, we, you know, we've got the, um, the employment... Um, figures or unemployment figures, I should say, is that that kind of expected peak in Q2 if the FOLO scheme ends. So I guess there is going to be pressure to try and smooth that um, that yeah. reduction in, in, in support. Um, the, the interesting um, take on CBAs. Now, this is something that yes, this is you know an industry that we've talked about very <coughs> early on in the um, in the pandemic, the cruise um, cruise ships, and you picked up quite an interesting yes, it's a, vignette. It, it's a ple- it's a piece of the FT and. What uh, what they're commenting on is that there there is a company that um, operates 250 boutiques on more than 80 cruise liners. It's a company called Harding, Harding Retail, and they have finally caved in and are um, are proposing a CVA. Right. Now, interesting. This is this is a retail. But there is no landlord. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? Classic CBA for a retailer means the landlords are the, are the people is, that is, kind of take is, the pain. It's crammed, yes, crammed down the, the landlord. But of course, with these particular um, boutiques, the leases are turnover linked. So, of course, there is no turnover. So, mm-hmm. there is, so the landlord isn't the issue. The issue is these, um, well, I, I might say horrific, some might say, um, fascinating shops full of all sorts of top-end goods and, and general tat. And, of course, so the, prob- the problem here is the suppliers, yeah. not the landlord. And, and high-value so they- suppliers as well, isn't it? This is, the, this is the issue here. The value of the stock is, I guess, typically much higher than you would expect in a, in a normal um, Yes, and, and, and again, I assume here that um, I would normally at this point start – rattling on about reservation of title uh, um, <laughs> issues. But, I mean, maybe you can't – maybe if, you, if, if your stock is stuck on a boat um, moored, in the, moored in, the, in, the middle, in the middle of some harbour somewhere, the answer is going and collecting your goods isn't really much of an option. No. Um, anyway, um, so in this particular case, um, Harding is looks as though they're going to ask the suppliers to take a haircut um, – probably only about 20, 20-25%, but nonetheless. And, and, and what um, various insolvency experts quoted in the article have gone on to, to uh, sort of extrapolate from this is that they think that as the, uh, the CVA mechanism spreads out into other leisure sectors from retail, 
it's much more likely that um, uh, unsold inventory and unpaid suppliers may be the may be the critical issue. And so we you know we generally thought Joe and I that the the takeaway from this would be um, if you've got risk in the leisure industry, then don't expect that the landlord will take all the pain, all the pain. if the business mm. is going to be restructured. It'll be you too. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, interesting point, particularly since we're <laughs> expecting you know this to be a kind of a, such a wave of, um, of, of of problems. It will have to the pain will be spread spread that much wider. Um, Nick, thank you. I'm gonna. I, I think that that covers it. it was a very um, kind of murder mystery tour, wasn't it? <laughs> All the different <laughs> topics that we've gone gone around. But thank you very very much for um, for guiding us through. I mean, there are quite a lot of things over the coming week or two. There are going to be lots of uh, things to look out for. So on Monday. Um, we've got the, the announcement on how England might come out of, of lockdown, some of the sectors that might be um, starting to have their restrictions lifted. Also, obviously, the budget, which we've talked about on the 3rd of March. And typically, you tend to start seeing lots of leaked um, announcements to be the water to be tested on, on some of the provisions. We've also seen um, this week a statutory instrument for the Corporate Insolvency and Governance um, Act, which extend it hasn't done anything particularly material, but it's extended the ability of the Secretary of State to keep those emergency powers for another year. So that looks like the kind of opening shot in um, potentially more extensions to um, to various measures. So we'll we'll keep an eye out for that and, and bring that to you as we have it. So Nick, thank you very very much indeed. As always, pleasure. pleasure to talk. Um, thank you all for listening. Until next time, goodbye.